and welcome to the eighth annual Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. And it's uh, me, Ricky, and The Flash. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah, what yeah, what yeah, happened yeah. here? What happened here? I, the I, uh, I, surprise I, twist. I just came back from uh, uh, being the deacon at Wes Scantlin's Protestant Bar Mitzvah. And how did that go, Ricky? Did you rock the house? Oh, yeah. We did a cover of uh, The Man Who Sold the World. And uh, let me tell you something, baby, Wes Scantlin knows where to get the good crocodile. How, how, how are things going with you and uh, Rick Springfield? Uh, you know, we just... Uh, sing the the greats you know we uh the grand funk railroad uh, uh i'm doing uh i'm releasing an album uh, of original content with uh, the people from dread zeppelin but now <laughs> now did you know that we were reviewing your movie this episode no man uh i did notice though you got some uh, boiled eggs in the it looks like you have like a nice little bit of boiled can i have some of those boiled eggs if you could give me I don't know how the Zoom works, but, you know, I'm just an old school hepcat. Yeah, go I'm for just, it, Ricky. I'm just trying to put my hand through the, it's not working. I'm trying to put my hand through the machine. <laughs> I just want, I don't understand this technology. I still use a BlackBerry. I still use a BlackBerry. Well, I, I gotta, I gotta go. Uh, you got a uh, gig? Gonna, wait, really quick. I, I once made the Edge Edge. Oh, wow. Bye. Do you have no? Did you have anything you wanted to plug before you left, Ricky? Oh wait, wait, wait! Let me come back. Let me come back. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm releasing an album with uh, Dan Brewer from Grand Funk Railroad. It's just gonna be covers of Ted Nugent songs. Sounds like it's gonna be a real hit and <laughs> something that people definitely want to hear. Okay, I gotta go defend my planet. Bye. All right, bye, Ricky. Wow, oh, wow, Ricky from Ricky and the Flat. Patrick, wow, you're here too. That, wow. Look at that, uh, that. What was odd? Someone uh, someone uh, broke into my... Wow, my window's broken. Ah, it's so cold in here. Ooh. Wow. Well, it was a rock star, Ricky from wow. Ricky and the Flash. I see her, her blood everywhere. So much blood oh. from the broken glass. I hope, well, she's, I hope okay. she's I hope she's okay too. I really do. <laughs> wow! Wow! Well, uh, welcome to the welcome to the academy this week, Patrick. It's quite a quite a startling start to the show this week. Um, oh, our yeah. first show too that I believe we're doing in the actual order. Oh yeah! Release. This is like this, yeah. This is like the uh, is this the seventh episode, and it will be released seventh as opposed to like. Uh, yeah, all the previous. So we can talk about uh, onset Tungus. We can talk about the all your, all your favorite bits that you've discovered over the last seven episodes. We're up to speed. We're not holding back. Our guess is nonplussed. Yeah. <laughs> He's not into. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Well, you know, we got a great guest today. He's um he's he mentioned that he's on Twitter. Yeah, very good. And, uh, I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna pull up a tweet of his. Well, the great Blake Wilding is here, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Academy, Blake. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming on board for an episode I think is going to be very interesting. Two street films that are not exactly the ones everybody talks about when they talk <laughs> about Meryl Streep. But I think, I, I hope, we'll see if, uh, I think there's some po real positive things in both these movies and some, some strange things, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was. Uh, oh yeah, go ahead. I was pleasantly surprised. I thought I got the Florence Jenkins movie confused with the one where she plays like a funny old man. Wait, what movie does she play? Does she play like a silly old man? Are you thinking of Julie and Juliet? No. (laughs) Miss Funny Old Man. man. What is? I'm trying to think of a movie where Meryl Streep. She plays like a funny man. Funny man. What is this? I know, like, I want to know what this is. I love the idea of Meryl Streep playing a funny old man. This is good oh, no, I'm thinking of Glenn Close. Oh, okay. Oh, you're thinking oh, of Albert Nobbs. Okay. Yeah, Albert Nobbs. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You're thinking of Albert Nobbs. I, I was, I, so I was pleasantly surprised to watch it because <laughs> yeah. I, just, I did not want to see Albert Nobbs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Uh, wow, I, I felt like we were really, really discovering just how little we knew about Meryl Streep yeah. in that moment, even after doing like, eight episodes of this show like oh there are movies we are completely unaware of that are apparently quite known i totally believed it i was yeah i believe it too i was like this she must play like a don knots in like his biography or something (laughs) like oh man well i she strikes me she could have been in a film like about like early like shakespeare plays where they couldn't they didn't allow women Mm. to act in like the early plays so she had to dress as a man to act in Romeo and Juliet or something like that. I'd watch that. that I feel like it would be also be directed by this director, that movie. movie oh, where, yeah. Of, of not, of, of, okay, not the one we're about to discuss, but of the second movie. Yeah, I think... Uh, Stephen Frears. Yeah, that's, that would totally be a Stephen Frears joint. Talk to Stephen Frears' agent. I think we have a new good idea for him. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. but uh, before we jump into things like we always like to do on the show, Blake, um, we just got to get to know, what is your street history? What's your background, Meryl? First movies, uh, first awareness. Are you even a fan? I want to say I'm a huge fan. I um, I'm a big fan of Doubt. I talk about oh. Doubt a lot. Uh, so many doubts. Doubts. <laughs> we have well, doubts. We have. They, they have doubts. <laughs> uh, as far as first movie, probably She Devil. I might have seen, kind of young. Damn, uh, professional here. Death Becomes Her. I don't know. <laughs> but I never saw I didn't know she was the woman in uh, Sophie's Choice even though I reference that all the time <laughs> all, all, all favorites of previous episodes oh good of well, this she, show so she double get, one she double lost to the devil wears Prada uh, oh yeah I saw that it's, too. Tough. I saw it's that. brutal it's brutal it was a fierce competition my wife voted for she devil but Patrick and I voted for devil wears Prada well, she was better in Prada <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, but she did was was uh very funny. Like we, I hadn't seen it before, and uh, it was very pleasantly surprising. It holds up. Yeah, yeah. it works. And also, yeah, Ed Bagley. I feel like Ed Bagley Jr. has some similar energy to Kevin Klein. Except Kevin Klein's character is much more wholesome in this movie. Way yeah. more wholesome. A nice guy. hundred <laughs> percent a nice guy. Like no, he's a bad guy in a uh, Chi Devil. Ed Bagley, bad guy. Oh, he's evil, mm-hmm. but it's just like you know they both have. I feel like Ed Bagley and Kevin Klein are cut from that same like you know kind of midwestern uh, sort of generic, but then they kind of have their own flavor in a way. Like you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just I'm just rambling now. I'm just no, no, I, I hear you. And uh, this is actually, today's going to be Kevin Klein's third collaboration with Meryl Streep. To, to date. 
They, oh. they were also, of course, in Sophie's Choice together mm. and the Prairie Home Companion. Mm. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we're excited for today's episode. I think it's going to be a, uh, a really interesting matchup that might be more competitive than I first thought when we were coming up with these brackets. What do you think, mm. Patrick? Yeah, I, I'll be real. I came in thinking I would like one movie uh, more, and I came in liking the other movie. I thought I wouldn't like that much more than the other movie, but then the other movie, which I started hating, I ended up, it pulled me back in the end. It pulled me back. I was actually kind of, I had a little narrative. And also, I will say, like, I had a tough time. Uh, this was, like, the hardest time I had watching these because I kept getting phone calls while watching, and, like, my sister like went to like the store and her uh our, her little dog she needs to be around people and so it was like whispering and like it had to i had to watch this movie before a podcast but the dog was like please talk to me and rub me and so i was like awkwardly holding my dog while watching the movie on my computer and the dog was getting mad at me oh man it was it was uh it was a trek it was a trek i feel like uh felt like uh felt like i've uh, i've ran a marathon my friend <laughs> felt like i've ran a damn marathon. Well, should we uh, should we just jump into it then? I think yeah, let's we're do all. It. I'm excited. Chomp, we're chomping at the bit to get into these movies. I get oh, that yeah. entirely. Uh, so we're going to be doing first up, folks. Ricky and the Flash. <laughs> we got the numbers here. Directed by Jonathan Demi. It was his final narrative feature film. Uh, written by Diablo Cody. This movie was released in August of 2015. It was it had a film budget of thirty million dollars. It made forty one point three million, so not great. But um, no Oscar nominations for Ricky and the Flash, and uh, Rotten Tomatoes, which we we don't like. We've made it clear, but <laughs> we're still going to tell you about it regardless. Sixty four percent positive for Ricky and the Flash. The critical consensus. Meryl Streep's outstanding work helps Ricky and the Flash overcome its inconsistent tone and fairly predictable premise. Ricky and the Flash. Now, had any of you seen this movie before we dove in here? No, I have no. not. Yeah, I had not either. I did want to see it. I remember when it was playing down the street for me at the Los Feliz 3, and mm-hmm. I'm a Jonathan Demi fan, but I was like, this movie seems like it might be a little odd. And that it disappeared from the theaters before I even had the chance to go see it. Um, but I think, yeah. I think same. My friend and I had a good time with young adults, so we're like, "Oh yeah, this will be like mm-hmm. that," which was a Diablo Cody movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, this movie, you know, yeah, I guess to jump off that, like, really seems to be in this delicate balance between like a Diablo Cody movie, which has got the you know, the quote-unquote quirky characters and, uh, you know, kind of uh, funky dialogue versus Jonathan Demme's, like, very grounded, very musical humanism. Mm -hmm. And it kind of... I think that might be where the Rotten Tomatoes inconsistent um, tone things comes into play because there are these moments of, I thought, true, like, human interaction and dignity and just moments between the characters but then also like you know fairly odd things like her screed against barack obama <laughs> on stage <laughs> it was like yeah it is like 
and it's funny like i'm not gonna lie like there is a part of me that um i think the most interesting stuff in this movie happens with rick springfield and between springfield and streep and at the and, and in her life and i think she's in she has to be in los angeles she's in la right yeah she is. yeah she's yeah, she's, in she's in the airport yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, but there's like this part of me that's like I almost wish this movie was like like the wrestler or something. I, I wish it had like it like it because it has that energy. It's like she's like <laughs> yeah. a beaten, you know uh-huh. instead of a wrestler, she's like a rock person, and like and you get that pathos from her. Like I'd say two-thirds of the way or three quarters of the way into the movie, where like Rick Springfield opened, but like it comes from Rick Springfield. I will say she never gets like a moment. I feel like, do you guys feel like she gets like a, like a good. I think the speech at the, the end, where speech, uh, yeah. the wedding speech. Yeah. Like, because the way they were shooting, my wife was just like yelling at the TV about all those snobs. Yeah. At oh, the wedding. Like, okay. Like her family, her kids are like cartoonishly, like not all of them, but it's like, so like. People need to, I don't know. It's like a, uh, some of the most mean characters. I, I didn't like, I didn't like a lot of the kids. Yeah. So uh, I, I'll say like my dad's dad band played my wedding. <laughs> yeah. So I would have been like stoked if Ricky had showed up and it's, played like Tom Petty songs at my wedding. I'd be like, yeah, let's go for it. That's great. Exactly. That's like flutter. I don't know. It's fun. Like, yeah. Like don't be, although in the end everyone's, Everyone's fine with it. Although there is like this part of me that's kind of like, it's really funny. It feels like in the end of the movie, like the the message is like, not that like Ricky has changed a lot necessarily. It's more like she's always going to be the way she is. So just yeah. like have fun with her. Except Ricky. Ricky Except, ain't, yeah, yeah, Ricky's Ricky not changing. changing. <laughs> she's going to make a weird comment about Bruce Lee and yeah, yeah. you're going to actually love it. Yeah, I, think the, I think the change is when Rick told her she just needs, her only job is to love them and not care what they think. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is true. That's fair, and I think that's yeah. That that like like I said, that was like the best part of the movie for me. Like, he he it. actually had the most emotional moment where he revealed they sold the guitar. Yeah, like I saw it the second he pulled out the lesser guitar. I was like, <laughs> oh, Rick, you sacrificed because you love her so much. That is why you're a Tucci contender. Oh yeah, he's <laughs> he's up for a Tucci, my friend. Yeah, up for he, Tucci, yeah. I'm full on Tucci. I will. Now, I will say like. Oh sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to just explain, like, if you hadn't heard about it, uh, our celebrated award we give out every one of these episodes, uh, the Stanley Tucci Most Valuable Supporting Player that we meet mm. over the course of either films today, uh, named after uh, two-time Tucci winner Stanley Tucci. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think it goes to Rick this week, but... Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll get we'll, into that later. We'll get into that. Yeah, there is some... Oh, man. No, but I'm, um, I'm saying um, this movie, these two movies this week are were kind of a double whammy as like a creative person, like at a crossroads in my life. Oh. You know, as we age, like, you know, are we going to be Rickies? Oh, man, yeah. Are we going to be Audra McDonald's who left, you know, Broadway to marry Kevin Klein? <laughs> and raise Ricky's kids well. Yeah, raise some other kids. I feel like that, that is going to be my headcanon moving forward. Is that is real? That's just she's just playing herself. That's playing herself. Yeah, that's IRL Andre McDonald. Well, I mean, I'm I'm planning on leaving my current career and going to marry Kevin Klein in the Midwest. So I think it's a career path worth heading toward. Oh, dude, <laughs> he lives in a manse. Yeah, that was it was opulent. It was like he has a huge pool. 
He has like a French poodle, like a giant poodle. It's like a poodle greyhound. Insane. A bad poodle. Yes. He's got one of my favorite movie jobs, which is just mysterious business. That's what does anyone do in this movie? It's like you never figure out what anyone like the. I don't think we figure out what they're up, they're down. I don't know. I made money. I have a mansion. Stocks. Yeah, like the 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 fiance slash bride at the end of the movie was so off putting that like, I what what did her family do? Oh yeah, it's all. It was strange when she met Ricky. She didn't seem that offended by Ricky at the initial dinner scene where they went out together. But yeah, at the reception at their wedding, she seemed to want to slit Ricky's throat. Yeah, Yeah. she was like, "Well, it was like this thing where it's like, how dare this street rat play rock and roll?" (laughs) Yeah, I know. At my, I I wanted a concerto. Is this this John Lithgow's (laughs) church from Footloose? Yeah, honestly, like. I wanted. I, I expected baroque mandolin music, sir. Well, especially after they paid for that band, that made yeah. me feel bad. Yeah, yeah that, that was one thing we noticed. It's like, so the band is just not going to jam with Ricky's band. They're just being asked to leave. For and who paid to fly out the rest of Ricky's band? Like, I could see Rick Springfield getting a wedding invite as Ricky's plus one, but mm-hmm. the bass player, the keyboard player, she, the drummer. She must have set it up with the husband because. The bartender was at the wedding. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I forgot and, about that. You know, IMDb said the guitar they sold was worth like ten thousand dollars. So I'm like, yeah. okay, okay. I guess it's a very, very nice guitar. Yeah, yeah. It was once very, very used nice. by uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like someone who. What's well, like, uh? I don't know if it's, it's not the same model, the exact same model, but it's the guitar that Angus Young from ACDC plays. Oh. Uh, you're a you're a you're 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 a music man a guitar I, file i do know it yeah i had a really good friend in high school and college who owned one and it was his uh absolute prized possession mm-hmm. as well just like rick springfield i was gonna say yeah i was gonna say it was like owned by like yeah ronnie van zandt or something i don't know yeah. i think of it as like the lead singer of the, the 38 special i don't know <laughs> Uh, but uh, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up that uh, Patrick, you and I were talking briefly yeah. about earlier today was um, the beautiful authenticity of the bar scenes. Yes. Of the bar rock crowd that goes out to see her band play, you know, in the in the off off Los <laughs> Angeles bar. You know, as someone who is like, yeah, like I said, my dad played in bands. I've been to a ton of these kind of places to watch that. I'm like, <laughs> and all those people were real who were there. They're all having a great time. They're all wasted beyond belief and no idea how they get home. And it was beautiful to see them so happy in this movie, just rocking out to like, like it, it felt so funny when she would like turn it from like a Tom Petty or an Aerosmith cover over to like a Lady Gaga song. Yeah, or pink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, I guess we have to do this. Yeah, like songs from it. like that were songs from like yeah twenty years ago, like songs that aren't even relevant. Like get the party started. I think was released in two thousand three, maybe. <laughs> New to Ricky. Oh yeah, but um, yeah, I want to bring up too. I thought um, we we talked a little bit about Kevin Klein, but I just think her, you know, and we've talked on previous episodes about Meryl's kind of generosity as a co-star yeah in scenes and so forth and her and kevin klein just 
much like a few other performers we've seen, and we already saw him do it in Sophie's Choice, they just work so well together. Mm-hmm. And they just, you feel their history and all those scenes that they have together. I love the scene uh, where they smoke weed and they you think that they might kiss or something like that, but yeah. they both they both realize, no, wait, we're like 60 and, <laughs> you know, yeah. we don't need to go down this road again. We're, we're past this time. But they've got like, despite the fact that he, she clearly broke his heart. He clearly still has some lingering stuff for Ricky. There is like a mutual respect between them, which is really nice to see. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And then on top of that, like, I feel like Kevin Klein's character, uh, I'm not gonna lie. When I first, uh, for the first like 30 minutes of the movie or 40 minutes, up until that like scene where they share that moment, I was pretty like, yeah, this guy's a robot. This is like, you know, Daddy Data, suburban C3PO. Uh, <laughs> strip well, off he, he, he he let her off the hook the most. It sounded like. Mm-hmm. It's true. So, he is so like, yeah, he's so, so milk toast. So I blame that for why he's kind of bland. He just, I guess, he got over it first. Yeah. <laughs> kids, kids did not. And, um, you know, one thing, Patrick, you and I were just discussing this one, too, and we had a difference of opinion. Uh, the scene where Kevin Klein and Meryl Streep accost their daughter's ex-husband yeah. at the bar. Oh. And, uh, Patrick, you were saying you did not like it. I was saying that I loved it. Blake, what did you think of that scene? I can't do it, man. Like, to me, that's I... like... I can't... I don't know. To me, that's, like, too far. And, like... I'm, but I'm not confrontational. Like, so to me, that's, like, my worst nightmare is, like, going to an ex with my, my mom. Because, like, I've been in scenarios, like, I remember when I was a kid, like, you know, uh, like, you know what? Okay, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I don't want to go see because my parents listen to this. I want to be nice. Uh, but, uh, like, you know, like, I've been in situations where, like, people have, like, fought for me before. And mm. I always feel, like, very uncomfortable when that happens. Like, just, like, naturally, that's just not where I like to be. Uh and uh, which is dumb because that's good if people fight for you that means they love you so that's like that's like more my problems that's like more me mentally i need to work on my own shit but uh yeah to me that just makes me stressed i see that scene i'm like god just leave them who cares like i was shocked they didn't let her go in that was kind of my beef with it Mm. like they stopped her from going in like that would have been more interesting i think If, if all three of them had gone in or just the daughter Maybe all three, but maybe also just the daughter. I don't know. I guess she wasn't in a good place. I guess they were trying to show, here's how Ricky can show worth. (laughs) (laughs) Even though it's misguided, like, you know, the manicure. Yeah. Yeah. And I I sympathize. Like, it's the right thing to do for the character in the moment. I think also the the other problem is that, like, that... uh, The daughter is just kind of underdeveloped as a character, unfortunately. I don't know. Like, I feel like she doesn't get, like... she was a 12th hour ride-in. Yeah, that's what it feels like. It has that energy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, it's obviously not because she's the one that sets off the whole thing. But like, I know, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Meryl's like, like, you got to get my daughter in. <laughs> yeah, I think we might be running on a little bit of like, oh, we don't need to develop the character as much because if it is Meryl Streep's actual daughter playing uh, the part, the audience could be like, oh, because they're already, we know they're close because they're actually... You know, like, we don't need to do as much work <laughs> for us to buy all aspects of their relationship. It has made me wonder, I guess, like, people, 
anyone watching that movie would know that's her daughter, even though the last name is Gummer. I feel like, yeah, mm-hmm. if you're watching Ricky in the Flesh, you know Meryl Streep's married big to Don to, Gummer. Big ups, big ups to Don Gummer, by oh, the way, yeah. no, we as want, usual. We, still, we want that statue. Please We're still pop, waiting for the cash. Please you pop know, a gummy. Give the us gummy. a statue. <laughs> <laughs> please. We're putting it in one of our parents' yards. We know they're big. Neither yeah. of us own houses. So it's either going to it's going to Seattle or where where are your where are your parents at, Patrick? Uh, they're in Houston. Or okay. I'll give it to my elementary school and they can use it as a dangerous jungle gym. Oh nice. Oh, and you could put your name on it, have like a little plaque donated by Patrick of the Academy Academy. The Patrick Gremion Academy Academy Memorial Dangerous Don Jungle Gym. Don Gummer Jungle Gym, yeah. That's very dangerous, yes. Yeah, maybe he'll come out and cut the ribbon. Yes, and then a kid will cut his head falling off the statue. Yeah. <laughs> Is that from history, or you just, you knew a kid that hurt themselves, or what? Uh, nah. <laughs> I will say I did dislocate my shoulder in elementary school. I, I did it in high school. So look at that, uh, dislocated shoulder buddies. Oh man, let's get matching American flag tattoos with on our on our back. Yeah, <laughs> like much like Ricky. That <laughs> yeah, she is. Yeah, that character is a hundred percent a QAnon. Yeah, one hundred percent QAnon. She's like, yeah. <laughs> the future of Ricky was not bright. Yeah, is she still together with Rick Springfield? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they're together. I think so too. Yeah, there, there was an there was an era of this is my last chance about it. I think. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Like, did you guys ever read the book, uh, the 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 Dying of the Light by George R. R. Martin? No. Uh, no. It's like a sci-fi book that's based. It's like a planet where the sun is dying, and so like society is kind of falling apart because since uh, you know the this planet is dying, the sun is dying, all the and everyone's like kind of left the planet except a few stragglers. And that mm. bar had the energy of the dying of the light a little <laughs> bit, where it's like, this is the end of our era. These are the final survivors. We might as well uh, party and have fun and sing a, <laughs> uh, a wacky cover of a, of a Spice Girl song. Yeah, like it was like that. Yeah, just there, very, yeah. There is a moment at those kind of bars, though. I used to live, when I lived in Seattle, like two or three blocks from a really, really like all time textbook example of one of these bars. Uh, and we, we'd go every weekend and do karaoke and get wasted, you know, spend your 20s fun. there. But there is a moment where you're kind of seeing some of the older people and you kind of get to know some of the people who are there where it's just like, oh, there's a choice here. Mm-hmm. Like you, <laughs> you cross a certain age and you're like, if I'm still here every Saturday, then I'm going to be coming like it early in the day on Saturday. You know, it's just kind of like, yeah, seems like she had fans. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like that one guy with the Elvis haircut? Oh, I love that dude. The, the faces they found for all the extras of those bar scenes were just incredible. Oh, yeah. They definitely just, like, yeah, they went into, like, like a Chili's on a Friday. Do you think she had, like, a breakdown every week? Because the two times we saw her in the bar, she had, like, a weird on stage. <laughs> I think she monologues, you know, about the events of the week if it isn't just a personal thing. Uh-huh. I think she 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 kind of she does a little crowd banter, a little crowd work. <laughs> I think that's definitely on the table for Ricky. You know, she's kind of like a celebrity within that very very small universe. So she can do what she feels like. She is 
a rock star that Saturday night at that bar. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because like I jest about it a little bit too, but I felt like, yeah, Blake, when watching it, I felt some of those same energy that, yeah, you, maybe you felt where it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, like we did improv it, like, the, or I did it, I do improv at the clubhouse or I did. Not anymore, but <laughs> but it's like yeah, it's like it, you know that'll be me in like forty years probably just doing doing, doing like you know want. having my own version of the rest like the world's shittiest version of the wrestler about grizzled old improvisers. <laughs> well, I wondered if that's why people showed up. They're like, hey, hey, let's let's say I'm talking to you. Hey, Patrick, we have to go to this bar. I've been going the past three weeks. The music's pretty good, but this woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. She, yeah, she has a personal crisis every week. <laughs> it's oh, my no. it's my own personal days of our lives. <laughs> Wait, are you saying that's like so you're giving that's like Florence Foster Jenkins energy you're putting on Reiki? Well, yeah. Just more, <laughs> well, I think I think the music. I think she's good in this. The, no, I know the, the music's supposed like, to be. Yeah, the music's supposed like, to be. The music's supposed to be good. I mean, yeah, but the psychodrama. I get you. The psychodrama. It might be fun to go for the. It might be good to. Uh, Although I think the bartender is obsessed with her. That, that is scary. That is a weird... The bartender is... If it is a week-to-week soap opera narrative, the bartender is the top fan of that show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the one who, like, ironically enjoys it so much that he just enjoys it now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 100%, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> although I do feel like there is, like... if I feel like if this movie was going to be more honest with itself... Although I guess it's a bar in LA, so it makes sense that a Ben Platt type is the one who's the bartender. Uh-huh. But uh, there is like another part of me that's like, ah, I almost want to see like a John Hawks in that role, like, <laughs> a real like scraggly, like you know, you know, someone who like opens for like uh, Dusty Hills band away from ZZ Top or whatever when he's doing his own thing. I don't know. Well, that would be a music bar. I think this is just a bar. <laughs> that's true. It's a bar. Yeah. It's, you got me. You got me. And they clearly are trying to get like a younger, hipper LA crowd by making her play Pink yeah. and Lady Gaga songs, just in general, like to keep, because all the, all the fans of the music that she prefers her have slowly drunk themselves to death already. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and big props to, uh, did not drink himself to death, but the bass player passed away shortly yeah, after uh, this, and he played in Neil Young's bands for like 20 years. Uh, they hired uh, some re- a lot of real players around Meryl Streep. And Meryl Streep, of course, because she's Meryl, did learn some guitar and did sing the songs. She was, I, I, she was good. Yeah, just to jump into that, I thought she was, I thought she got a lot to do in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like comparatively to, you know, some of the other stuff we've watched a similar era, like Julie and Julia, that's such a, like a big, but almost like, character caricature like a, yeah. it's a character whereas this is like a more grounded like yes ricky has her weird idiosyncrasies but this seems like a more grounded human being that you could actually run into at one of these bars oh yeah it, or something it, like that which is, it, i think is kind of unusual recently for meryl because a lot of her characters post devil wears prada are pretty larger than life uh-huh. mm-hmm. You know, I think to go along with her being Meryl Streep and a big old movie star. Well, I thought half of the music felt like treading water. Mm-hmm. So I guess I slightly disagree. Mm. Like, I don't know, the movie was over 10 minutes before it was over. 
because she yeah. performed for 10 minutes. <laughs> I, mean, I guess the, I guess stuff was still happening, but I, I found the movie kind of like ambling yeah. or like listless. I don't know. It's just kind of. And then there are all these scenes of her singing, which I don't know, I guess fills in some gaps, but. I wasn't. I super will say that, like, that. yeah, there are. The, it is like the movie that, like. Although, to be fair, like, a lot of the, the stuff. A lot of the, you know, the dog coming to me, like, you know, it's not, but it, this was like the movie that I had a tough time. Like, it, it, it was like sometimes it kind of it did have a lull. I, I agree with you hmm. a little bit. It's, it's interesting because, like, when we watched it, I was very, like, didn't look at my phone once really? engaged with this movie. Wow. And, and my, you know, again, it, you know, probably just a weird, like, taste thing or whatever, but, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I was like very involved. And, you know, I, I think the joke is like, you know, getting back to like Patrick was really uncomfortable with the confrontation in the bar. Oh, he's whereas, like, oh God, like, I hope this dog shows up right now. Yeah. And my, and my <laughs> wife and I looked at each other and go, they're good parents. I like them. You know, it's kind of <laughs> like, and I might just be stages of life or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, I yeah, I was yeah. very like, I was very into it and very like I liked the vibe of it. I liked the me. I liked all the music. I liked um, kind of like I I and I do like movies that tend to kind of ramble a little bit more and not okay. be a straight shot necessarily, um, which is probably why I was like terrible at sketch writing because I would always like <laughs> put something else in there. Uh, but I, I yeah I thought I mean I and I see you guys' point completely about. You know, Blake, you probably said this. There's probably like the movies, what, hour and 40 minutes, and there's probably 30 minutes of padded mm-hmm. music throughout it. And that's. I but I don't, I don't think during every song she was acting. I guess. Yeah. And the ones that she was, I thought were great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, I think she had great chemistry with everybody mm-hmm. in the cast, I thought, as usual. I think she works well with everybody and in particular Klein and Springfield. And I thought she was, I thought she was really like naturally, it's kind of probably impossible. She was very warm with her daughter. Mm-hmm. And you, I, I thought that they, that she had kind of a psychic connection with her daughter that didn't necessarily need to be spelled out via plot, that it was just kind of like, Oh, you know, there is more of a connection there than there is with her sons. How'd instance. you feel about the, um, She's also she's also the baby, which I know. Yeah. I think is part of it. Uh, maybe. Uh, how'd you feel about the moment where the daughter stopped when she was? Oh, at the out? wedding. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a little hammy, little like on the nose. But... I was I was scared she's gonna make her mom walk with her. <laughs> <laughs> that whole time I'm like, she's gonna make her mom stand up and walk her down the aisle. I think I was still very like overwhelmed with the snooty people who were just staring at her and Rick Springfield like they were aliens. Mm-hmm. Even at the like pre-wedding part. I was like, man, these people seem like, yeah, they're like they, they don't go yachting on the weekends, but they don't they don't seem like rude or crazy people. No, no they're not evil. <laughs> I will say though, on the other hand, like the other thing I will say, yeah. like, I think you're hundred percent right. Like they try they treated them like street rats. It was like ridiculous. It's like they're normal <laughs> human beings. Like give them they a had, and they had an all lesbian catering staff. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Too, too scary. No, <laughs> but uh, it was a strange. It's a strange wedding. Be- yes, because they kept going on and on about like how liberal they were. Mm-hmm. 
but they were also like so like stay away from us like like yacht club bullshit kind of like oh uh, what was the uh, line in caddyshack oh were you born roman catholic no i was like well i'm sorry you're not invited (laughs) i mean i was gonna say too that like i found it weird that like uh the one thing I will say is I found it weird that Rick Springfield's character was surprised by a free drink at a wedding. Yeah, I was like, "Come yeah. on, man! You've been to, you've been married like he hasn't like, been he's he's played <laughs> weddings definitely. Well, yeah, he, he, like, has, he hasn't know. been on a he hasn't been on a plane since nine eleven. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Well, that's why they're still together too, because he's definitely gone QAnon as well. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. But she he gave just, a look. She gave a look to the wedding band at one point that was like, this could have been my life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, also, there's like the, 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 she looks at the, the, the grandma. Mm-hmm. Like that scene with the grandma was so fucking grim. Like, <laughs> you see, like the mom, like the, the mom of, uh, it's like Kevin Klein's mom, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she comes in, she's like, oh, I like you. And, I don't like the new lady. They've only been together a few weeks, and Meryl Streep is like, "It's been a couple of years, bud." And then like someone has to like walk her away. And I think like that scene, like I don't. At first, I thought it was like a they were playing it as a joke. That's what I thought. But then I was like, "No, this isn't a joke. This is Meryl being like, oh shit." That's like her realizing her own mortality. I think. Yeah. <laughs> like to me, that was like so dark and like, oh man. I almost wanted a little more of that. I was like, give me some more, like, uh, Streep uh, having to, having to, having, like, this weird, because, like, ah, I want that version of this movie. I want, like, it's still, like, a fun, interesting movie, and I think it's, like, ultimately worth it, but, like, man, if they had gone full The Wrestler, I, had, had they gone Darren Aronofsky? To, like, no. You don't want full Wrestler? I don't want full Wrestler, I want but full I also wrestler. don't want, like, weird, um, you know, straight like kind of like some of their stranger tangents that it drive like drifts off into mm-hmm. like having a little bit more coherence with the wedding guests for instance not being like complete caricature monsters yeah. but i mean i think like you can have a lighter version like the wrestler is a you know I'll, fucking grim movie yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? Like, I mean, maybe, okay maybe not full wrestler let's you know to be uh, maybe that's too far but i guess like i just want like a little bit of that like they have moments of it too, where I think Meryl Streep almost she has like a moment where she essentially is like, "I'm a piece of, I'm an old piece of meat." Like mm-hmm. she has like, I think she has a meat moment. I just wanted more yeah. meat moments, I guess. I more know. meat moments. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was more kind of like subtly funny, like to me, like she. They felt like they were rebels at this wedding because everybody was so uptight. But then you see them walking, and it's like, oh, just because he has a shirt on tucked and she has a side break, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think they all know she's the mom at that point. Mm-hmm. They just think they're dressed weird. Yeah. And there is something funny, too, about the way they're walking in, because they are, like, still, like, wearing the costumes of, like, 80s and 70s rockers. Mm-hmm. But they're both kind of old, kind of slow, kind of awkward at all of it. Like, they're not as cool as, like, you would expect. Like, and probably even as, like, they would have thought you would be. It, it, there is an element, too, where it's just like, oh, you're still dressing up like this? That's what I'm saying. Like, they're not actually cool. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. And, like, and that's yeah. funny to me, and that, like, informs them a lot. Mm-hmm. But then, I guess, they have it both ways, because it is kind of scandalous, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're definitely, but, like, I feel like part of it, too, is, like, they are, like, they're like encased in amber to a certain degree, right? Like I feel like, uh-huh. like and you had that moment too where Meryl Streep was like, 
You're so Midwestern. Like she says that to that one with a Bill Irwin cameo, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, love me some Billy <laughs> Earl. Um, but uh, <laughs> from another uh, from another Jonathan Demi wedding film, Rachel getting married. Oh, dude, he's so good in that. I love yeah. Rachel getting married. Me uh, too. A uh, superior <laughs> uh, superior film to yeah. Ricky in the Flash. Hundred uh, percent. No, though, though Rachel, you know, I'm not gonna not diss him, but uh, 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 what was I saying? But uh, I think like. You can get a, you get a sense of her like she's like she must have left like you know Indiana in like the seventies or the early eighties or whatever and she was like a rebel in the early eighties against the mid like what Midwestern values were back and that's like what her character is like she's like an eighties Midwestern rebel. Mm-hmm. Wow. She's like well, not why... that rebellious anymore. Well, well <laughs> Kevin Kevin Klein is clearly a total mis- Midwestern nerd. Oh yeah. Met this rocker gal when they were in college or something like that, <laughs> and he has thought this is so cool and like the best way to rebel. And I'm so in love. Like he probably was had his heart shattered by her because he <laughs> yeah. was like, yeah, a total like nerd who, you know probably valedictorian or whatever of his class oh, yeah. didn't do anything he goes to college and meets this crazy rocker who gets him high and has sex with him and he's probably he's like <laughs> it's the greatest person i've ever met in my entire life oh yeah mm-hmm. like did any of you ever watch uh Tig Nataro's tv show on amazon Mm-mm. uh one mm, mississippi no. like john rothman a person who's been in the show <laughs> in the past another uh street <laughs> alumnus uh he, he plays the dad in that show and it's just that same like yeah he's so stodgy and stoic yeah no, I get you. I get what I get. I get what you're saying, my friend. Uh, do we want to go? Um, wait, you. you no, I was just gonna say there is something like you. I thought I found relatable with Kevin Clyde though, with this idea of like, kind of like the nerdy guy who meets this very, very exciting person, just like, yeah, I'll do anything, and then you get shattered by them. Oh yeah, I mean that's relatable. Yeah. That's relatable. It's I mean, very, very relatable. <laughs> I guess like, oh man, you're like more generous to this movie than I am. I think like maybe I was I mean, saying this on a bad day. Yeah, maybe Ricky caught me on a really good day. I yeah, don't know. Because, like, I, I feel like uh, I was, like, I, I saw this movie with my heart closed, I think. You add so much more into <laughs> your life than I previously saw in these characters. To me, like, Kevin Klein was just, I don't know, like, he just, I felt like there wasn't flat. much to the performance yeah. to me, and there wasn't much, yeah. but I'm wrong. I think I am. I need to see this movie again. I, I, know, I thought the way he looked at her, there was, yeah. I, I I think he's a I mean he's a great thing. actor. He, with, no, one of the things kind of being reminded of on the show is how great of an actor he is. Oh yeah, yeah. I was I was kind of intrigued by like the dog that wouldn't listen to him. Like, <laughs> is is that supposed to be Ricky or is that supposed to be that he's a terrible parent alone or that he's completely like, you know, what's he's completely like defanged now or I don't know. Yeah, like if it, he had this big dog that just wouldn't listen to him. I wasn't sure how that fit in, and he didn't like hit it. He didn't like hit it in a way that I. It gave me clarity. Yeah, maybe maybe it's that he might be a bit of a pushover. Uh mm-hmm. Like, like that's not his dog. It's the wife's. Well, he married another woman who's very strong in her own in her own way mm-hmm. and independent in her own way and does her own thing. His kids clearly do their own thing. No, no matter what and you know and all he is is kind of puppy dogish almost in his own right of like oh let's just try and make it all work out i love you all i'm doing my butt no but everyone's just kind of running through him because they're all far more heightened emotionally than he is oh yeah a lot of screaming a lot of like yeah 
And he's like, yeah, he's at the technology factory making technologies. <laughs> yeah, like businessman. Yeah, businessman. Did you know that in the apparently in the eighties and early nineties, Kevin Klein's nickname among Hollywood circles was Kevin Decline, because of how many times he said no to whatever was offered to him. He's a very picky man. Good for him. Is, Wait, what, okay, what was he offered? What could he have been? Do you know any? I oh, I, I should. I, you know, I wish I had looked that up because I was so excited about my little fun fact <laughs> there. I didn't have any deeper. Uh, I got you. Indiana, <laughs> Indiana Jones. I don't know. <laughs> that would have been okay. That's good. I would have been. See, that's a fun game. That's a game for a future thing. We think about movies. Kevin Klein could have. Could have done. done. Uh, he could have easily been one of the three men and a baby. Mm. Hey, take your pick. Any of them, even the baby. Yes, even Tom the Sala. baby is on the table. Yeah. Well, I don't remember the other two. Could have been Jeff Goldblum's character in Independence Day. Yeah. The fly. <laughs> Very or the fly, yeah. Or the fly could have been, uh, just forgive every Goldblum to Klein. Mm -hmm. Both of them are in the big chill together. Ooh, just have them switch places. Yeah. Gold <laughs> Has Goldblum ever done anything with Meryl Streep? I don't think so. No, but he does oh. his, his own Ricky and the Flash thing. Yeah. I almost went into a Goldblum impression when you asked me, like, oh, gosh, I don't know. Oh, wow. Hi, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm Ricky, and uh, this is Yes. I this saw it. Ter terrific. Wow. Terrific film. Ricky and the Flash. Well, have wow. y'all been to his, like, little cabaret show in Los Angeles? No. Uh, no, I always wanted to. It's, like, walking distance from my place. Uh -huh. <laughs> I've heard him. I've walked past. I've heard him yelling at people and like flirting at girls in the crowd. Oh, uh, uh, friends sing in it, and they said it was fun. But yeah, I'm sure it's a blast. I, I, you know, let's get this quarantine over so we can get out there and see Goldblum do a variety yeah. show. Yes. You know, you know. And then we can bring back John Lovitz's comedy club. Yeah, I bet he had similar. I think he has similar political leanings to Ricky. They'd be great friends. <laughs> yeah. That'd be so funny if like they should have done that. They should have had her perform at John Lovitz's comedy. Wonder if um, I could. I didn't find info on that, but that would have been interesting to see if Ricky the Flash, if Demi had made them go out and do a handful of bar gigs, mm. just to like see what would happen mm. at, in a as a band doing a set. I can that would. Yeah, I can she's too like, recognizable. Yeah, yeah, she's huge. I wonder what I wonder what bar they filmed at. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. They uh, they it looks like they did quite a bit of filming in New York. Oh. But uh, which has nothing to do with the Midwest or weird parts of the Valley or wherever they were for um, Ricky's lifestyle or the Whole Foods she worked at. I will say that scene uh, spoke to me, and uh, what was it, the character, Trent or Troy? It was Troy. Holy mm -hmm. God, that man's rictus smile will haunt me <laughs> for days to come. The, <laughs> telling Ricky. The guy, the, guy, the more flair guy? Oh, mm -hmm. God, yeah. It was just truly like a Joker smile, a uh, something from a nightmare, just like very, like, yeah, just too, too big of a smile. Did not like that. Too scary. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did like that scene, wrestler-esque too, because the wrestler worked at the uh, butcher shop at the supermarket, whereas Ricky works oh. the red cast register. So, another yeah. wrestler crossover. Let's let let's do that. Let's write that fan fiction. Right, let's rewrite it. Ricky and the Flash, but we're gonna get it right this time. Yeah, Ricky and the Flash two. The wrestler's Rick's heart. 
Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Rick Springfield's heart. Oh. Uh, it o- opens with Rick Springfield's character heroin overdose. Oh. He's dead. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's just downhill from there for Ricky. Oh man! <laughs> and because it's uh, fan fiction, at one point, uh, you know, Pikachu gets involved and yeah. Goku and uh, Dilbert and they all Trans- Transformers arrive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they're all yeah. having sex at some point. Yeah, Optimus Prime is fucking oh. Pikachu. Who's fucking Ricky? Who's fucking uh, uh, the ghost of Rick Springfield? Well, pay this, pay the set fare, Patrick. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's uh, money. Yep. Well, anyway, any final thoughts on Ricky of the Flash before we move on to our second film of the show? Doesn't going once. Going I, I, I do. I do remember oh. really wanting to see it. The ads were just so good. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't. Yeah, I, the poster says "Get ready for Ricky." That's the uh, tagline. And, and the flash. just, and the flash, yeah, the flash uh, are essential. I will say, yeah, the last, uh, yeah, the last thing I'll say is like, yeah, like I think it's uh, this is something I wanted to bring up, and I never got to. I think it's picking back on something you said earlier, Don, about uh, like how she's playing a fully fleshed character in Ricky and the Flash, and it's not like a a, a performancey performance. Mm-hmm. And I like that, like she's playing her character subtly, and the subtle moves are her doing big things, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. like. I don't know, like, you have that one moment where, like, yeah, she, like, kicks her, like, leg up in the air or whatever, like, uh, yeah, I got white hairs on my pubes or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, it, that's, like, a very, like, it's silly and kind of, but, like, she, it's, you believe that she is actually the type of person that would make that kind of joke, and that is, like, a real type of human being. Uh-huh. And she yeah. sells that. And it's it not cartoony. Like some of her other stuff, and I, I, I've We've we've talked about it. We've liked them. There is an element of kind of like let's throw on a wig and some makeup and do a voice yeah. and like be big and kind of like kind of verge on like a mod knight character. Oh yeah, like she like you wish like there's like a part of her that wishes that even though I feel like she's against a lot of that stuff, like you know she wishes she was like a Rick Baker, like, you wish, she wish she was under, like, 10 layers of makeup, like, yeah. playing an alien, right? And I think maybe Ricky gets closest to kind of things we've been talking about her doing, like, a, it's the closest she'll ever get to being in, like, an uncut gems, where she's yeah. just playing, like, a freak show kind of character mm-hmm. who's just running around and getting into trouble and being obnoxious, <laughs> but really riding on the fact they're a movie star and you kind of have this they've got this credit with the audience that you will go down the road with them despite being them being obnoxious which i love when that happens and i would love to see her do like yeah we've talked about before like yeah yeah work with the safety brothers or something like that and just get really weird and grimy like what was our pitch like she's uh robert pattinson's even shittier mom and they have to go rob a bank or something like that (laughs) like that'd be so good it'd be great yeah gooder times yeah, and so I think that this is like the closest I, we're gonna get to that character, that dream character. But again, I think you guys were right though that this movie probably, I was being generous. This movie at best probably gets seventy-five percent of the way there for what it needs to be. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, and like I said, like it, it did, it did win me back with the Rick Springfield. Uh, uh, Meryl Streep moment. That was actually one of the most like that that like combo they had where like in the know, kitchen. Yeah, Rick Springfield said, "Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you, have to, you, have to, you have to love your kid. Like you know, it's your job to love yeah. your kid." Like that part did like that might be my top five uh, best 
street moments that like that like that conversation or movie moments that we've had this year. So like movies not like you know it's worth watching. Give it a little yeah. give it a little flip on the the old, the old DVD. I, 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 one last thing. I'm sorry. I, I also love that she kept being rude on stage and would always apologize when they were yeah. old. <laughs> <laughs> such an asshole it was very good yeah uh we just want to say too uh we are following rick springfield on twitter with the official academy academy uh twitter and uh rick give us a follow back please fans please love you yeah rick your performance in true detective season two we love that too we love that good. too yeah. yeah boy we're fans so let's uh let's move on to another a uh, musical artist that Meryl was playing this week. Oh, yeah. uh, let's take a look at Florence Foster Jenkins. I'm going to run through these uh, stats. Do it. Uh, directed by Stephen Frears, who has had a really interesting career doing everything from The Grifters to High Fidelity to The Hit to Florence Foster Jenkins. Uh, this film was budgeted at $29 million. It was released in 2016, by the way. Uh, made a tidy fifty-six million oh, at the right. box office, so not not too bad, not too bad. The uh, film on Rotten Tomatoes, Patrick, eighty-seven percent. I was gonna guess Foreign eighty-six. Uh, <laughs> consensus. Uh, I, I am psychic. This is good. <laughs> Florence Foster Jenkins makes poignant, crowd-pleasing dramedy out of its stranger-than-fiction tale, and does it subject justice with a reliably terrific turn from star Meryl Streep. Mm. Now, um, in terms of its awards, mm-hmm. the awards, the big awards, I have a torn up finger, so I'm having trouble turning this page. Ooh, uh, how's the healing, okay. bud? It's, it's healing well. Two Academy Award nominations. One, Best Costume Design. Oh, yeah. So, and also, of course, Best Actress in a Leading Role, Meryl Streep. It won neither that year. Florence Foster Jenkins. Who'd she lose to? Do you remember? uh, This was 2017. Was this Emma Stone, La La Land? Yeah. I think it may have been. Um, But... We can we can we can figure that out as we go. Uh, this movie was new to me as well. Was had either of you seen this film before? No, I will and I will say had you uh, before we did this podcast, had you had gone up to me and told me uh, there was a movie called Florence Foster Jenkins, I would have uh-huh. thought it was like a a female reboot of Ricky Bobby. Mm-hmm. Like like this is like a Kate McKinnon's Florence Foster Jenkins. I'm gonna be the number one like yeah no like it's like yeah yeah that that, that is uh did not know this movie existed even this yeah. movie could have diff- drifted into bad sketch territory very fast oh, you're yeah. absolutely right oh 100 percent too like it could have been like yeah not uh there's a movie well the thing that works well about this film is like um they do a good job like you watch it in the beginning and you're kind of worried that it's going to be like, oh, this lady's so wacky. Look at uh, how eccentric and goofy she is. But they really, they turn her into a, an actual character. <laughs> That's weird. It's uh, good. And it, um, and it's real. It's real. Yeah. yeah. 
a very strange true story. I don't know if you guys took a look at their Wikipedia pages for each of the real people. I sure did. They, uh, yeah, it, all of them took uh, interesting routes in their life. I mean, I guess we could start off with the. Oh, and I w- did want to mention I was correct. It was Emma Stone that won so Best smart. Actress so that year. So yeah. that uh, that uh, and uh, that stings. That stings. Should have been you, Meryl. But. Um, yeah, I think this movie was really, you know, I, I agree. I think that out of all the movies we have on our list, this one was the one I was like, boy, is this going to be like a real slog to watch this one? I think we talked about our first episode. The poster is very bland. It's just the three of them kind of just standing there. And you're, you're like, what is this? Is this going to just be, what is this going to be? But you know, I'll be honest, I thought this movie was very entertaining. It's way better than I ever thought this movie would be. Yeah, I and really, really liked it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like really surprised. Yeah. The thing too is, and here's the thing too, like Meryl Streep, like on one level, Meryl Streep is like, she can do Tim and Eric shit. Like she yeah. does like that level of like, but like, and it's better than I would argue she out Tim and Eric's Tim and Eric sometimes like that level of like awkwardness because the thing is she plays it so real mm-hmm. that like it's I don't think because like that's the thing about Tim like and I love Tim and Eric I love it I know mm-hmm. I like all their comedy and stuff but like I feel like sometimes like their stuff is so like them just kind of phoning it in and being like oh I'm wacky I'm weird I'm wacky I'm weird but like she like she like uh, she just she plays. She plays like that character. She plays it so straight. I think that's what it well, is. She I thought she was straight. having too much fun in the beginning. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit. And then the she settled in and do it. Like in the beginning, it's, it seemed very like, this is going to be so funny. Yeah. <laughs> like going through her head, she's like, this is funny. Oh, she was definitely having fun. Like she was definitely yeah. like, yeah, she was definitely like, you can, yeah, you can definitely, I feel like I can see now when Meryl Streep is like really like ham, like, I don't know, enjoying hamming it up in a movie. Like, yeah. there's a big, like, Julie and Julia energy, like, where she's like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm just a big old piece of ham. I love this. <laughs> Cut, put a knife in me, please. Serve me for Christmas. Uh, but, uh, and, like, yeah. and Hugh, Hugh Grant and, uh, and Simon Helberg, who plays, like, I feel like Simon Helberg's character initially is, like, it's like he's playing a, uh, like, a, if a, a feather was granted life by a forest elf. Like huh. he's like it's just like such a weird like light character or like a like a like a it's like he's like it, I I, I want to see the Simon Helberg Pinocchio movie now like, it's, <laughs> like but he's adorable I say that in like a good like yeah he was really good he's great yeah. like I I I didn't think he would be good in this and, and at he first was really I'm like good at first I was like this is the dream role you just sit at a camera and like or you sit at the piano and like try not to laugh yeah. Like, I thought it was so funny, but then, mm-hmm. you know, there, there turned out to be some meat to it. Well, he really cared about her by yeah. the end of the film, which yeah, was great. Yeah. Well, they share that moment. But I, I, I thought, I loved the, in the first half hour, when we were watching it, we were just, like, blown away by, they kept, like, okay, so Hugh Grant is, on, you know, he seems to be with Florence Foster Jenkins, then he goes over to the other gal's apartment entirely. And then Simon Helberg shows up. And you're like, all of these people are strange. All of them seem to be leading double lives. And none of it is explained at all. And everything we are just supposed to completely accept at face value. And I loved every second of that yeah. entire idea. Oh, yeah. Like, and it, 
and like this whole like yeah the 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 emperor uh has no clothes like you know that whole yeah, thing where it's like you know just we're all acting like uh meryl's get it or uh singing and oh man i love what's the uh who was that the guy who was the original song coach who is uh, his david haig that's the actor he plays carlo <laughs> edwards who's the uh the sound coach yeah. oh my god that scene yeah. was so like mwah. God, when he when he roasted Hugh Grant or what? Oh, when he roasted Hugh Grant when he was like practicing with Meryl Streep. I like that mm. the Meryl. I, maybe like that was Hammy on Meryl Streep's end, but I like that how straight of a face he kept the entire time. Uh, Speaking of uh, Kevin Decline, though, I think um, <laughs> Kevin, if if he was a few years younger, could have slid right into that Hugh Grant part. Oh, with relative yeah. with ease, right <laughs> up his yeah. alley. And on that note, I thought Hugh Grant was great oh, in yeah. the film. He's really good. Might be and... one of the top uh, Hugh Grant performances. Like, mm-hmm. uh, though I haven't seen a lot of them, so I can't like really. Well, he, he also really had a sell at the end that he loves her. Mm-hmm. Like that it wasn't a joke, and I, I really bought it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah they they just had a very unique relationship but it was a loving relationship yeah and that was great it was really really uh really it ended up being quite a moving film and you know by the time you got to the end you realize oh this is going this is no longer all goofs and spoofs with her singing badly and this is going to end tragically you're like oh that's Mm -hmm. that's that's a twist but it, it 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 feels you know i guess going back to like the weird tonal shifts of ricky and the flash the total shifts here actually were real smooth. Yeah, yeah. Well, they they they, they kind of like clue you in that something's not right with like the wig scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and then like they kind of like slowly they seep it in. You kind of realize like I think like maybe it's only like half, like a third or a halfway to the film where they tell you, oh yeah, she had syphilis, and they're treating it with arsenic yeah. and mercury. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like holy shit. Okay, that explains a lot about her character. And then Miracle have, of science. Yeah, I was like, oh wow, okay, now this character makes so much. And yeah, then, like, and like, like as ridiculous as it is that she died a few days after receiving criticism for the first time, like, <laughs> yeah, it still, it still kind of worked. Like, it yeah, works, yeah, that that ending is a little that, that is borderline. I have doubts. That is entering. I have doubts. Oh, yeah, yeah, very close. Not very all the way. Do I have doubts? But... Not, all, not all the way, but it's getting. It is a little like okay, yeah, like maybe wait a month or something. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, well, well, that happened too. She died five days after that performance. Yeah. Wait, no. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they did a really, you know, I think that Patrick, you really hit the nail on the head about the entire thing when you were introducing the movie. It was just this idea that this movie really could have been a joke. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of, you know, hats off to the entire team behind this one for taking it, playing it straight mm-hmm. as as much as they could. Because, and I think uh, that makes it so much more successful. But it it, it remains not um, not as stiff as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, going into yeah. it, like there are some like the uh, scene at the post party scene. Where they're all dancing around and throwing people into rooms. It's very like slapsticky. I was like, this is enjoyable. What a wonderful time. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it is I will say it is kind of funny. Like the budget is twenty nine million and that mm-hmm. is like a you know, that's a lot of money. It's nothing to sneeze at, but it is like for a movie though. Like, mm-hmm. you can tell like you can tell that they only had like two old tiny cars. 
that they rented out. I saw the same yellow car, I feel yeah. like, seven times. They CG'd <laughs> it over yeah, and over again. Oh, yeah. And they made it work. They made, yeah, they, they got their money's worth out of that old-timey yellow car. Like, that was, yeah. like, a, that, it was like, the one taxi cab in all of New York. Um, yeah, also, like, surprisingly desolate New York streets. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh... Um, I liked, yeah, I liked uh, Simon Helberg was great. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson uh, as the mistress uh, or the girlfriend, rather, to uh, Hugh Grant's character. You know, she, for what the role was, she was fine. Yeah, didn't get a ton to do. Yeah, but it's also like, there's a lot. I have to root for her because she, like, kept that name. So, like, she could have picked any stage name and she kept her own. (laughs) (laughs) Also, uh, the the blonde lady was really good. Oh, Mm -hmm. Nina yeah. yeah, no, she was great. And it was also interesting, too, because, like, I liked how in the end, like, all the people that originally kind of goofed on her, it almost reminds me of, like, like, The Room or whatever, how, like, there were people that, like, you know, watched The Room in the beginning and they liked it, and then, like, there were more and more people in The Room became kind of a meme, and <laughs> it got ruined as a result to a certain degree. And I feel like that was, like, we were witnessing the first, like, r- uh, meme ruining <laughs> like, we were like we were witnessing the first time a joke got ruined like people like i don't know like because it's like the first my wife yeah exactly it was the first borat the first boratting and that was nina and nina like prevented it from going full borat for a moment which was very nice of her do you think that if Lawrence foster jenkins had survived though she would have like tommy we said something like no i knew it was a comedy all along <laughs> she would have started wearing a lot of belts yeah, because I mean, like you watched the room, and that was clearly a very, very personal cry for something. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he definitely wanted to be a very hardcore drama, and now he goes around saying it's you know black comedy, and I always knew it was. It's like he, no, he, he was working out some misogyny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 This is coming from deep within your soul, brother. I'm sorry. Yeah, also, I guess he he also apparently wanted to have like a, a family of spoons and forks, like all those like pictures of cutlery. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, yeah, but yeah, I guess she didn't live long enough for to be in on the joke. Nah. It's just weird that she couldn't tell because she was such a, you know, avid lover of the arts. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, part of it you could probably blame on, like, you know, all the syphilis stuff. But then, like, I think I do. There is a part of me that's like, <laughs> there is a part of me that's like, I think she is like more because you have that scene with like uh, uh, Simon Helberg with. Uh, she did the dishes. Yeah, where she did the dishes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then. She plays the piano a little bit, and you see she's playing with one hand, and like she has talent. She isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's yeah, and it's very sad. It's like super brutal, and because she she got syphilis at eighteen, it's so fucked up. Yeah, what they say she had syphilis for like fifty years or forty yeah. years or something like that. Yeah, which is like unheard of at the time. Yeah, just terrible. Yeah, so they were like, was... and they were like abstinent and mm-hmm. yeah, or her and you. Oh man, yeah, she. Uh. But I, I, I don't know about you, Patrick, but we, we talked about this in some of the earlier episodes where Streep kind of sharing the spotlight. And we're mm-hmm. returning to that here because Hugh Grant is really the co-lead mm-hmm. of the film, oh, despite it being called Florence Foster Jenkins. And kind of going back to even Sophie's Choice with Kevin Klein or 
Devil Wears Prada with Anne Hathaway, of course, the infamous Julia and Julia with Amy Adams. It is kind of interesting. This is actually like you've got like it is almost like a like Simon Helberg is the Stingo too. Yeah, like, yeah, he's he's like, got st- strong Stingo vibes. Oh, huge Stingo energy! Like because he's, he's yeah. from San Antonio. He's like a he's a hayseed. Yeah, Stingo. Yeah. Oh, Stingo is the narrator of Sophie's Choice, who oh. is the surprising like basically the main character of the movie is telling Sophie's hmm. story. And uh, but we had none of us really were aware of that, and we're like, oh, we got this kind of like, you know, no diss to Peter McNichol, but yeah. less exciting actor who's stealing a spotlight <laughs> yeah. from uh, stealing yeah. a spotlight from Meryl and Kevin Klein. I think, <laughs> yeah, and I think like you know, and I think part of it, like why he was cast too. I think I remember reading this somewhere was that like he wasn't like. He didn't have that patent of like star power that like Meryl Streep like he was supposed to be kind of like a like a, a fresh face not, yeah fresh not even a fresh face like kind of like um like a less energy than Meryl Streep or Clevin Klein like she's supposed you're supposed to go in and he's like clearly not like of New York and like not a like he's supposed to not have the star power I guess yeah and both of them especially then when they were younger were like such. Oh. Like drama kid, big performers. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, God bless them. You know, you want the, that, but <laughs> you're getting those tears from Meryl. You're getting those tears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kevin Klein's gonna do every bit of every emotion and monologue his heart out and everything in between. So poor Stingo is definitely kind of the nerd on the side. <laughs> and you know, we we should probably just apologize again for missing the maybe the Stingo is your baby joke in that episode mm-hmm. uh still yeah. breaking still breaks their hearts you could have you had know. merch yeah we we lost, lost the damn t-shirt right there i will say i do want to make a shirt now that's we could have had merch that's gonna be our uh, not shirt. bad not bad well, <laughs> I, I, I get want... a cut of that so i support yeah. you <laughs> yeah i will give yeah I'll, every... i get a heavy cut of that yeah, yeah. okay so also like wilding if there's any, um, and I'm sure they were made, um, Ricky and the Flash fake concert t-shirts that mm. were created as promotional items to promote Ricky and the Flash. If they're out there, send them our way. We'll wear oh, them. Oh, please. Or, or fake Florence Foster Jenkins t-shirts. Yeah. There's some, some guy in like For... Lansing, Michigan made a, <laughs> yeah. made a Florence Foster Jenkins t-shirt in his, uh, his, his, his uh, root cellar. Well, they, pr- they had to print at least two uh records so they're out there somewhere oh yeah, yeah. oh man we should like hunt them like national I, treasure i believe we sold them at the record <laughs> store i worked at in oh, the early really? 2000s with her seat like because we would do stuff um at closing time mm-hmm. when we had to get rid of customers because we wanted to shut you know shut down uh we'd put on purposely the most annoying music possible to drive them out of the store and i believe if i remember correctly florence foster jenkins was in our stack of cds we kept nice. next to the cd player to get rid of customers <laughs> <laughs> so, if i remember correctly that's you know, very funny that's, that's if we so have funny. any listeners from those days uh let me know <laughs> <laughs> i like the idea of like yeah them making i mean of course you're gonna make an album with her music on it and it's gonna be bad I'm just interested in who would purchase 
It is like a, it just, yeah, I don't know. That is like a fucking. Well, she had fans. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I, I, mean, guess, I guess, I guess, uh, what's his name? David Bowie was a fan. Oh. I, I saw, I mean, I saw that like uh, Cole Porter was a fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's very outsider art, or I don't know. <laughs> that's fair. It's like, yeah, it's like the, the shags or whatever. Because the, the the guy that called the radio show was in a hospital or something. In the movie, the, the guy a guy requested the song and said it's the first laugh I'd had in three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I mean, like it's like yeah, it's well, it's like the room or like yeah, it's like, that like thing. Uh, she was the original William Hung. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Florence Foster Jenkins, the original mm-hmm. William Hung. Yeah, that no, that that all. That all, yeah, and we saw it all the time at the record store. I mean, like, if he, if an album exists, it has sold at least one copy. Someone out there wants it. Oh yeah. So it could be the strangest thing imaginable. What year and did you work? I worked there from two thousand to two thousand seven. Oh, so you got a lot of a lot of uh, clunkers. Yeah, we saw it, yeah, saw it all, and, you know, toward the very end of CDs is kind of being something that people regularly bought. Lost Ketchup? So, yeah. It was during that time. <laughs> the Way I'm Hung album did come out yeah. during that time period. <laughs> oh, we had the craziest people, like, that was at the peak of American Idol oh. when I worked there, and, um, boy, the... Uh, rabid fandom of the sides that people took on those first two seasons like you ever see anything like a 55 year old woman waiting for the store to open demanding the clay aiken <laughs> single <laughs> which was you know a, a cd single of two songs yeah uh, two songs and uh heaven forbid that ruben stuttered one yeah she would tell you about that too in a semi-racist way that was very uncomfortable oh man that is like I feel like I missed that because I feel like I was like the first generation that like downloaded off of Kazaa or LimeWire mm-hmm. or whatever. I feel like I missed out on like waiting in line for things. But well, it was kind of the tail end of like CD singles of like I don't now now they have buzz songs all the time. But then it was like, wow, if I want this song from this artist. I have to go buy this maxi single with a video if you put it in your PC. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, and those American Idol ones, they were they sold like gangbusters. They're huge mm-hmm. hits for us. But I like Patrick, if you want to talk about it, like I waited at Tower Records at midnight for Radiohead's Kid A. Oh man. Uh, so I respect that'll that. age me a little bit more, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, well, this gives this shows you how nerdy I am. Like, I have waited in well, like the things I waited in line for were like Super Smash Brothers Brawl, like, <laughs> like video games for the Nintendo Wii. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I think those were like the things I like. I waited for that one, and then I'm trying to remember. I think I did it for another game, and I cannot remember what it was off the top of my head right now, but uh. Yeah. Oh, maybe like Gears of War or something or Bioshock. I don't know. But uh, yeah, nah. Yeah, oh, the craziest. Oh, oh go ahead. Go no, I was, I was going to get us back on track. So yeah, yeah. Um, let's get it's, back. Yeah, yeah before I even talk about my favorite uh, tertiary characters in Bioshock. Yeah. The love of God. The same. The same no, but I, I, I was shocked at the lack of merch for both of these movies. 
Yeah. Like, cause, like the, the song she sang in Ricky, I'm like, I, I couldn't find like an official soundtrack or anything. Oh, that's odd. Yeah, like the uh, her original. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool off or whatever. Yeah, that like Jenny Lewis wrote. Oh, she did. Oh. Yeah, wait, I saw that in the credits and I was like, oh, they hired a real, real songwriter for that one. <laughs> but uh, but Jonathan Demi's movies are always so musical that I'm not totally surprised by that. Oh, I did have a soundtrack. I'm sorry. A lot of uh, street covers. Yeah. Hey, yeah. and, she, and he did direct Stop Making Sense. So like, yeah, I don't know, the, like, like the greatest concert film of all yeah, time. Probably. I'd say, yeah, <laughs> that, that and Spice World, those are the big two. But I mean, even like films like uh, Something Wild have real musical elements to it. Uh, Rachel Getting Married has real oh, musical yeah. elements to it. Like that's always present in all of, you know, at all of his movies, even like <laughs> American Girl and Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, the person that like, uh, well, the person that uh, Rachel's getting married to is the lead singer of TV on the radio. Yeah, you want to know an interesting uh, fact about that too? The part <laughs> that part was originally offered to Paul Thomas Anderson. What the fuck? To to make his acting debut to play the groom, <laughs> but so he cool. was busy. But he wanted to, but he was busy. But they, you know, it was fun what they did anyway. I mean, TV on the radio. The guy, that guy is still amazing. Like I love. Yeah, he game. sings uh, Harvest Moon. At the wedding, a cappella, if I remember correctly. Great. The yeah. Neil Young song? Yeah. Bringing also, it back to the guy that died? Yeah. <laughs> also, and Demi, Demi directed three Neil Young documentaries. Oh. Also, I think Dougie Fresh is there for some reason. Yeah, the wedding is filled with, like, New York luminaries. It's really cool. Like, it's <laughs> the coolest wedding you could possibly go to. But not... They're, and they're not assholes, like... Um, yeah. At, uh... Ricky's daughter, or uh, Ricky's son's wedding. Dougie Fresh would never be smirch Rick Springfield. But I I guess, like, if we want to get back to Meryl (laughs) in Florence Foster Jenkins, like, uh, I I thought she was really, really good. Obviously, there's a lot of technical stuff with, yeah, I think Stephen Freer said it. He's like, well, you have to be a good singer to sing badly. Like, you have to have kind of an understanding of what it means to be good to be bad. Yeah. don't most people think her singing's underwhelming? Like, in Mamma Mia. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, that's, I think some people do think that. But I I also think she's not, like, I think there are definitely, you look at people, especially like Pierce Brosnan and Mamma Mia, like, there are, she definitely <laughs> doesn't matter. Like, there are definitely people that, like, she. I think she, she holds her own in that movie, I would argue. And my, mind you, the winner of this round is yeah. playing Mamma Mia in the next round. Oh yeah, it'll be Mama, Mama Mia, which of course defeated Into the Woods. Into the Woods. Oh yeah. I don't think I'm actually kind of ex- excited to see these movies a second time. I'm looking forward to entering the mouth of madness once again with Mama you're, Mia. You're not allowed like, to watch the sequel. It'll taint. It'll taint your perception of the first one. No. Mm-hmm. Well, our, our our guest in that episode, Avery. Uh, she actually demanded we don't we don't have to pay her for the rental of the first Mamma Mia, but she wanted to see the second Mamma Mia, so we paid for that for her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think I, I think yeah I think Meryl finds a lot as usual with these kind of bigger characters. We talked about it with Julia Child. Mm-hmm. She finds a lot more nuance, which could have been a very easily a real dopey 
sub Saturday Night Live or these days just Saturday Night Live character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, it opened with the tableaus, which I, the way she's playing it made me wonder is she making fun of what art used to be? Is she making fun of herself in terms of like, did I bring enough to the role of inspiration? Mm-hmm. Is she making fun of like art in general? But then it really like whittled down what the joke was because mm-hmm. it could have kept going at that pace. Like the oh. potato, like the potato salad stuff. Oh yeah. yeah I forgot about that. We're like, they What's literally sketchy? have a, a tub filled with potato salad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was very odd. It's, that must've smelled so bad. But the, the opening, I mean, I know I was praising it, but the opening of this movie definitely like throws you into kind of the whirlwind of their universe and mm-hmm. yeah, catch up if you can. Keep yeah, up if yeah. you can. Yeah. And I think, yeah, and I think like this movie where like, it's almost like the opposite of like Ricky and the Flash where like, like she's playing a big character, but then the power of her performance uh, lies in like the subtle moments with this character. And she yeah. has a lot of like very interesting, like, she has quiet moments, like her... I think there's like moments where she kind of realizes, I don't know. It's like, I feel like her character is, you know, she has issues, but she, I think she's a little, she's at least self-aware on some occasions. And I think, I don't know, there's like, there's, there are definitely moments of like quiet sorrow. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. Uh, and people generally yeah. like her in her universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She seems very popular. Just everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's she's also there is this element though that she's rich. Yeah. Oh, that's and, the element. <laughs> yeah. And oh, so even up to Hugh Grant is like, how much is uh, even though he reveals he does have a kind heart to her by the yeah. end of it, I think it does take about eighty percent of the movie of you wondering though, what is his end game? Oh, well, because yeah. that, that, that first vocal coach is like, oh, she takes care of all of us. Yeah. Is, is that right, Tom? I'll see you in Florida. Mm-hmm. yeah oh 100 percent. yeah and like well and it's just yeah it's like the first half of this movie i was for the first 30 minutes i was expecting like this is going to be a goofy romp and i would have loved that goofy romp of just like hugh, hugh jack or hugh grant hugh jackman could have played that role but he, I, hugh jackman could have played that role yeah. oh yeah but uh hugh, it's like, it been <laughs> like, yeah yeah he would have been great yeah. it, it could have been a huge jack i feel like hugh grant and hugh jackman have similar although <laughs> hugh, here's the thing hugh jackman can play hugh grant roles Hugh Grant can't play Hugh Jackman roles. Hugh That's Grant, true. Not yeah. a Wolverine. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Hugh Jackman could have played Florence Foster Jenkins. But I... he, he actually could. I think he could. Yeah. Well, when, when, I thought, when I thought the movie was that Glenn Close movie, you, yeah. know, how the movie, you, know, you know how that movie opens on the guy playing piano? I've never the seen that movie. Dogs? Florence Foster Jenkins. Oh, yeah. yeah. It opens with the, the guy playing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. that was I thought I thought that was Meryl Streep. Oh, <laughs> and then Meryl, the Meryl Streep descended. Yeah. Meryl Streep descended as the angel, and I'm like, is everybody in this movie Meryl Streep? Is it like a the clumps? It's a clump a, situation. It's a clumps. Oh, now you're referencing it, my man. I've yeah. infected you with clumps. You did. You infected you, me with the clumps. Yeah, yeah. You have mind of clump now. You always resolve <laughs> on the clumps. Yeah. I'm always clumping. I be clumping. Yeah. Uh, you be clumping, uh, baby. I be on that clump. I'd be on that, that thick clump. Uh, that, 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 the clumps are dummy thick. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. I, oh, my goodness. That's a die. t-shirt. That's a t-shirt design if you're up for it, too, I yeah, think. Yeah, please. Uh, make it a lurid. Lurid? 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 So I found out this movie had a soundtrack, too. So I did terrible Googling before. <laughs> 
Well, now we know, and it's good to know, two soundtracks out there for anyone yeah. to pick up for their listening pleasure for some interesting music in this week's episode. Not traditional musicals by any means, but uh, very musical in their own right. I think, um, yeah, I think this movie, you know, just kind of some of my thoughts on this one, i very surprised about how entertaining it was, mm-hmm. how involved I was, you know, how, how much to this movie there was. Yeah, really. yeah. I was 100% going in thinking it would be like an Oscar Beatty, like fully, because like even like Stephen Frears, like he's a great director, but he does like, I feel like, you know what it is, is I get him, like I lump him with Stephen Daldry, which I really shouldn't, <laughs> and Stephen Daldry he's a, is like... Frears is a, does a little bit weirder stuff. Yeah, Frears has like a little bit more of a, like he's he's more, uh, uh, you know, is not a real thing, yes or no, but like he has more of that, he's more specific than Stephen Daldry. I feel like Stephen Daldry is like, that's who you think of when you think of like a modern Oscar bait film. Mm-hmm. And this is like, no offense, you know, there's probably, there's great Daldry's, I assume. There's a lot of do, good do, Daldry's. Do you think it, was, think it was too weird for her to ever have won mm. the Oscar? Maybe. Maybe. Because it, it left a lot, you know, it left a lot of like, left a lot out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though it, it was about creation and art, you know, what, what, what's it saying about the people that can make art? And yeah, well, mm-hmm. it's also like, what's it saying about the people that enjoy art? Because it yeah. is like, yeah. it is interesting that like, like the movie, like you have people that are her friends that like truly love her, and they're either like people that are getting paid to like her. Or people that are like deaf, that are like, or like old like biddies from the. Uh, uh, sorry to any, sorry for using the term biddy, but I go there. Uh, but, <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> I go there, but uh, regular I'm a, shock jock. I'm a regular man cow. Yeah. Uh, I'm a move Opie, over. Opie or Anthony. <laughs> Hopefully not Anthony. Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully not Anthony. <laughs> But uh, that'd be that would not be good for you. Don. You'd have to get re- you'd have to replace me with Jim Norton, Don. Yeah. You'd, you'd Jim Jim Norton. What's your favorite street film? Go. I'm gonna talk to you about my asshole. I don't know Jim Norton that well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm friends with Amy Schumer. Uh, Merry Christmas. I turned into Santa at the end. But uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh like. It is interesting how, like, yeah, you have her friends who like her, and then people that are paid to like her, and then you have the people that, like, ironically enjoy her. Like, you know, they're almost like, you know, like, the people in the beginning of uh, of uh, the, what was it, the Disaster Artist movie? Like, you know how, like, they were interviewing, like, Ike Barinholtz and, like, Adam Scott and shit, and they were all like, yeah, I remember when that movie came out in 2003, and I saw it on a whim, because the, the, the poster looked so weird, and it was, like, the funniest thing I ever saw. But then, like, those people turn it into, a, like, a genuine affection over time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, uh, it was just interesting, because, like, yeah, they end up becoming, I was trying to wrap my brain around that, about how, like, yeah, the lady that was, like, dragged out screaming at the, or laughing at the end of the, in the first performance she saw ends up becoming the one who, like, you know, protects her. Mm-hmm. Which is just a, I guess it's like, yeah, it's a thing about like people. It's I guess it's like a, it's a commentary on like ironically enjoying things so much that you just have a straight up affection for it over time. I yeah, don't like know. all the artists liked her still. Like Rebecca yeah. Ferguson's friend was there at the end. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. they liked her too. Yeah, the yeah, the, yeah, they all liked her at the end too. And like uh, I like the celebrities that showed up, like Cole Porter and Tallulah Bankhead. They all liked her. Yeah. Yeah. 
And they were drunk. They were ready to have a good time. Yep. Yeah. No, I think you. So I think that these two are, uh, you know, very surprising, very interesting films. We didn't have an Out of Africa this week. No, no Out of Africa. No. Uh, and um, which I heard she, she also had syphilis on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yep. That's a good, she got good over it though in that one. Oh, yeah, good God. syphilis callback. <laughs> Probably the uh, syphilis bracket could have been with these two films. <laughs> well, is, is the guy that played McMoon? Is he too prominent to be a tooch? No, he can oh, 100% so. be a tooch. Okay. Every, everything is wide open for Stanley Tucci category. Because that's who I would nominate for the tooch. <laughs> Ooh, let's, okay. we'll do our let's do our tooches and then we'll do our final thoughts. Oh, sorry, yes. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. so uh, you wanted to go with, with Moon. Yeah. He was so. I agree. He, he, he was kind of a character proxy, but then yeah. also he, he had stuff going on and he was. It was so funny. The way he played it, like when he cracked up in the elevator, worked for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love you know, that. The, yeah. fact that he, the fact that he would be pulled into Hugh Grant's kind of like shit worked for me. When the when the blonde actress was holding his hair back, yeah, that was <laughs> it, it. Just it just all worked. And then mm-hmm. the Will thing at the end, I thought was great when he found out what was in the bag. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. congratulations, Simon Helberg, for uh, winning Blake's uh, Stanley Tucci. Yeah. Award this week, uh, Patrick. Who are you handing off a Stanley Tucci award to? Oh man, I was gonna say, uh, you know, cause, like I loved, I loved Simon Helberg too. I was, I was really a toss up between Simon Helberg and like the person I am going to choose. But because you said Simon Helberg, it gives me uh, the free reign to, you know what? Mm. <laughs> I always feel like I, I might be taking your tooch, Donald. I, I worry sometimes. Do you think? No, it's fine. Wait, you know, uh, I. I believe Stanley Tucci himself won multiple in one episode, so it's okay. It's okay. Okay, then I'm gonna say it. Uh, and then, and no, and don't get me wrong. I love Hugh Grant, but my Tucci has to go to Springfield. Rick Springfield. Mm. I give it to Springfield. That was the best uh, acting I saw. Like that was one of my favorite acting moments we've seen in the show, uh, or during our uh, during our podcast. Was like when he broke down in front of Meryl Streep. I love that so much, and I connected to that character. And I was like, fuck. Rick Springfield needs to be in more things. It's like, yeah, he's... Very earnest. Very earnest. Just plays that character real, and it feels very... And the fact that they got Rick Springfield to play that character, too. Like, I feel like that is, like... He has... He must... Like, I feel like he's, like... He has half a quarter foot in that life. Mm -hmm. He's probably brushed with that life a few times. And so, like, Mm -hmm. he plays it... uh, It just feels lived in and real, and he does a great job. So I have to get to... Rick Springs. He's yeah, absolutely terrific as well. Um, so I'm torn here. I'm I'm not gonna go with Rick Springfield, but I, I have two folks in mind that I thought did a great job. One of which I think was a little more controversial on this episode. Did not get the universal praise that I thought he deserved. But um, and of course I'm speaking about Kevin Klein oh, in yeah. Ricky and the Flash. But uh, I have to give it to <laughs> Hugh Grant for yeah. this week. Uh, he so really. <laughs> He really just brought a lot to that part. I think he went toe to toe and came out uh, real equal with Meryl. I think he's an underrated actor. I think that mm-hmm. he seems to be trying a few things uh, in the last year or so. He did that Guy Ritchie film, The Gentleman, where he was a real scumbag. Yeah. And he's doing this thing, this big little lies riff on HBO right now with <laughs> Nicole Kidman that I think he's playing a. Uh, 
he looks shady in that. So I think he's kind of leaning into being a little um, shady at 60 years old. I love it. Like a little and, bit of a, not like a, it's not a grand renaissance because it's scummy, but it's like a, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I think he's, he's getting an opportunity because he's not, he doesn't seem like he needs to be pigeonholed anymore and kind of like a romantic comedy type part. Not that he, not that those are bad things, but you know, I, it's clear he's got a lot more range. And he was yeah. really good at them. that. Like Bridget Jones, he was amazing. And yeah, he was kind of a he was kind of a scumbag in those. Yeah, two. well, he started he started off as like a, a winner, and then by the end of Bridget Jones, you're like, oh, this guy's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> and he sold the shit out of Love Actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, a horny I, president. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I guess. I like I like I like portions of Cloud Atlas. <laughs> which what? of his se- which of his seven characters did you like? Uh, the, the one where he plays an Asian person. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> but I, I think he's, I think he's really outstanding in this film, and you know, he, I think he, he brings a lot of nuance to it, and you know, like we said, the element that it could have been a joke or whatever, and he shows that he genuinely cares about her in the end, and I think he's just doing a lot with the part. And I happily had him a Stanley Tucci award this week. So yeah. I think Congrats. three three very deserving winners mm-hmm. of the award this week. But you know what? We only have three. We have three winners there. There can only be one winner in this next discussion. Patrick, mm-hmm. let's get to your final thoughts. Oh, man. Akia the Flash versus Florence Foster Jenkins. Oh, man. Well, you know what? Uh, Ricky and the Flash is good. I actually came out of this podcast liking it more. I need to give it a rewatch. I think like uh, I think uh, Meryl Streep is she is good in that movie, and she plays. And it's cool because she does get to play a character that like you know uh, male actors of her age that's uh, taken for granted that they get to portray kind of interesting, odd, quirky characters like her mm-hmm. character in *Ricky mm-hmm. the Flash*. And so it's like, uh, you know, it's cool that we get to see her finally in a role that's not just like, I'm a, a wacky aunt, like just a variation <laughs> of wacky aunt. Like, <laughs> like I feel like yeah. Yeah, she is a wacky aunt in this ostensibly too, unfortunately. But like, like it is like, but you know, she's a real person and it's not like, yeah, it's not like a character that you would expect her to play. Uh, yeah, she hasn't, means- gone, she hasn't gone full meet the Fokker's wife. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's, not, she's not Blythe Dannering. Uh, although... <laughs> I'll see you in was it I'll see you in my dreams the one with Blythe Danner like uh, Sam Elliott Sam Elliott oh man that's a good one that's a good uh, anyone if you want to see uh, mm-hmm. Blythe Danner uh, and a hunky Sam Elliott oh yeah uh, but uh, Sam Elliott's underrated but um, yeah he's great so good and uh, yeah. he's really good in freaking uh, uh, why am I forgetting the movie Star is born I can't believe I didn't have that movie in my brain. Uh, he, he cried a tear. It was so good. Yeah, he's great. I thought he was great too. <laughs> all right, let's get you ready, dude. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, it's it's so right. late. I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm shutting down. Uh, beep boop. Uh, it's Florence Foster Jenkins. I got to give it to Florence Foster Jenkins. Okay. Just a great, just a great performance. Great character work. Uh, and I just, I had more. I, that movie was more enjoyable to me to watch than Ricky and the Flash. And I great. think like her performance in it is more. Uh, she just it's such a crazy character that uh i think uh i don't know how many people could pull off what meryl streep does with that character in that movie mm-hmm. 
All right, one vote for Florence Foster Jenkins. I will take it from there. Um, you know, I thought Florence Foster Jenkins, she's doing a lot of her, you know, her tricks, her fireworks, the stuff that we expect from Meryl Streep. Um, I thought I got a lot more though, surprise and kind of a different side of her in Ricky and the Flash. Some a lot of stuff she doesn't normally get to do. She got to play, yeah, Ricky is still relatively larger than life, but she did feel real and grounded and not yeah. almost like you know, Meryl, so many of her so many of her characters are so big and so like, yeah, like again, yeah. larger than life. And I think in Ricky and the Flash, she got to play a fairly regular person that you could run into. And I want her to play more mm. of those characters. Mm. I thought she did an amazing job in this. I thought she, you know, kept the move. This movie could have gotten, you know, like we said, it's, you know, it's a movie that gets, you know, 70, 75% of the way there. There's some weird stuff in it. There's some odd choices that they make. But her really grounded, driven performance and the way she works with the vast supporting cast, I think, brings it all the way home. And, you know, despite, yeah, I agree. I think she's great in Florence Foster Jenkins. I think she's doing all of her tricks at the highest level. I got to go with Ricky in the Flash. That's fair. Well, it's like, it's like, it's funny. In Ricky in the Flash, she... She in Florence Foster Jenkins, she brings the grounded to the goofy, and in mm-hmm. Ricky and the Flash, she brings the goofy to the grounded. Yeah, great way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Blake, your deciding vote. Yeah, I'm going to break one of your hearts, and I'm very sorry to say it. Um, oh no! Oh, no. I, I just think that part of the experience of Florence Foster Jenkins was the train wreck of it you know not knowing what's coming next <laughs> and i think when you're forced to rewatch it next time you'll re- you'll realize <laughs> the roller coaster of her of her role and all the stuff she did cuz she i don't know i think rick she started stronger in ricky and she was really naturalistic but then i just don't think she was given a lot i think the mm-hmm. script could have used a pass a pass or two uh no offense diablo cody <laughs> uh but i just think she, I don't know. She, I didn't think she would come around to being human by the end of Florence Foster Jenkins, but I bought it. Yeah. Right. And you know, I, I can't think of any big speech moments in that one either. I wonder what clip they used on the Oscars. It would have oh, to be the, the, the uh, they'll they'll say she couldn't sing, but I did sing. Oh, uh, the death the final, the deathbed. Uh, I think. Yeah. Well, oh, she gets a she gets a lot of those. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she does, yeah. She does. She hates. Yeah. She makes it work. So I give it to her. Great. Great. So Florence. I, Foster... I give it. To, yeah, I give it to her. They're both her. I give it to uh, yeah. Florence. Yeah. Foster. yeah. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying. We got. We got where you're coming from. Uh, so next time around in the musical category, Mamma Mia faces off with Florence Foster Jenkins in what will be a psychedelic episode of this show. (laughs) That's going to be a wacky one. It's going to be a wacky one. Because these were, were, I thought, pretty similar, compelling. You did good with the bracket is what I'm saying. Well, thank you. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. And and, sorry. Uh, I said this earlier about Rick and the Flash, but as a performer watching Florence Foster Jenkins, I'm also like, am I Florence? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, is this is this is this podcast of Florence? Like, yeah, yeah. and we don't even know it because we're having this good time. 
Yeah. Might be a Florence uh, on the way to being a Reiki. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I love that. What's the line in Dark Knight? It's like you live long enough to become the villain. Yeah. You live long enough to become the Ricky. Yeah. You either die of Florence or you yeah. come live long yeah. enough to be a Ricky. Yeah. yeah. Uh, man. That's a tagline. Okay. Yeah. That's it. That's it. So that was that was Florence Foster Jenkins and Ricky in the Flash. Uh, moving along to our game of the week this week, courtesy of Patrick. With Ooh, a great, wonderful, wow. wonderful new concept this week. Uh, this week's game. Read them and streep. Read them and streep. Where, okay, she's done a lot of literary adaptations. Oh, yeah. But has she done them all? I don't think so. We're coming up with a book, a play, hell, an epic poem. And let's put Meryl in it. Right? Did I get that right, Patrick? Yeah. Great. Put Meryl in it. Yeah, put her in it. Put Meryl in it. So, Patrick, what are you thinking? What would you like to see Meryl Streep in? in a more literary fashion. Okay. Uh, I'm thinking about it. So the first one that came to my mind is if, um, man, I know the books are like verboten now and uh, uh, the, mo- the money shouldn't go to JK Rowling. Uh, <laughs> it should go into a well or like a, or like a, 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 a good nonprofit for trans rights perhaps. But uh, like if they ever did a read the Harry Potters, make her, uh, make her uh, Maggie Smith's character McGongle. She'd be a good professor McGongle. Mm. Uh, she'd have the good energy for that. Um, I was also thinking, like, um, she would be uh, a great Cersei if they did the Iliad or the Odyssey, rather, not mm-hmm. the Iliad, the Odyssey. They did a remake. I could see her turning a. Oh man, have Hugh Grant play Odysseus? That would actually be very good. <laughs> I just uh, made you got you got your mini series HBO now. I, I hate I hate to say it though. I almost think that if you wanna, it might be another uh, Hugh swap though. Hugh Jackman as Odysseus, I Ooh, think, might bring yeah. in the bank a little Ooh. bit more. You want to do a Hugh a Hugh swap just happened. Folks. Oh, we just Hugh swap, folks. You heard it here first. It was a, our first live Hugh swap. It's beautiful. Uh, but uh, yeah, I would say that. Um, and you know what? Um, if I could like go back in time a little bit. Uh, if we're using a younger Meryl Streep, uh-huh. have you ever read? Uh, so I was a big Crichton head when I was a kid. Oh yeah. Um, and I read all those, and so one of them was Prey. I've always wanted to see. I wish they would make Prey into a movie. I think that would be a fun movie. But Prey is basically about like nanobots and like uh, like uh, this lady works for a nanobot, like a nanotech company, and the nano the nanobots basically become sentient and kind of like take over people that work at this company. And so she would have been like the right age to play at the time of like 2003 or whatever to play like the wife in the movie that worked at the nanotech company and uh jeff goldblum probably would have played like the husband it would have been, been a good would have been a good movie it would have been good yeah and we would have finally gotten a goldblum street picture oh yeah, yeah. So that would have been like 100 percent would have been a roland emmerich joint just campy like a lot of like weird surprising actors like like why is uh, Michael Dorn playing the chief of the security in this movie? <laughs> why not? Why not, dude? Yeah, put Dorn, put Dorn in the way that he used Brent Spiner in Independence Day. Use it with Dorn. Throw a little yeah. Dorn in there. <laughs> oh, good picks, good picks. Blake, what do you, what do you got? I like some of the things Patrick was saying. I don't think she's right for Cersei. 
maybe maybe because I just read the book that they're doing the HBO thing on. But I I do think there's like a Greek goddess could work, something in that. If they were to do like a Greek gods have real feelings, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I also can't stop thinking about Orlando, which I read. It's like an English major book. Oh yeah, yeah but yeah, till, yeah. but I'm th- but I think it's because I thought this was that other movie and Tilda Swinton played Orlando. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cross dressery. No, Meryl Streep can do some Tilda. I feel like she has Tilda Swinton energy in her. Yeah, the younger like uh, '80s era Meryl Streep could have done that. Yeah, so I wrote down Grendel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think she's got to do something wacky like that. Uh, you know, I'm thinking like Mrs. Havisham. I guess she's that ageish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like she brought some pathos to Florence, but. I don't know. She should have been in the Grendel movie. What? Who was in that? Was Angelina that? Angelina Jolie played her played Grendel and Beowulf, I believe. Yeah, that's what I thought too. It should have been her. Yeah. Or no, no I, I, could, I like Angie. We every episode, I think we've tried to put her into a villain role in this mm. game, <laughs> and you know, because I'm going to continue that as well. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, those are good picks. Yeah, the Beowulf. Crossed my mind as well. Uh, for as for Beowulf, America. no, as Grendel. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that role belongs to only one person, and his name is Ray Winstone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, oh, that's my Beowulf. That's Don't ruin mine. my childhood. Oh, <laughs> that's my Beowulf. That's my Beowulf I like this character, guy. Next, next time you're gonna tell me there's gonna be all girl Ghostbusters. Yeah, I like my Beowulfs in the Uncanny Valley. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, God. yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I got a couple weird ones and one really like kind of normal one. Uh, I'll do the normal one first. Uh, we really like the uh, David Lean version of the Noel Coward play Blythe Spirit in our house and it's uh there's a magical older lady um media spiritual medium in that play uh who comes and causes trouble to all these couples at this house and she rides a bike there and she's a total goofball Mm -hmm. and this is right up current meryl streep's alley they're actually remaking the movie right now and i think judy dench is playing the part Mm -hmm. but um come on Oh yeah, this is, this is this is a Meryl role a if there break, ever Judy. was one. Take well, a break, you, Judy. Did y'all see Angels in America? She was really good in that. <gasps> I've only read the play. I've never seen the. Okay, well, I recommend it. The I think movie. It's we're, a, I think it's a we're gonna, we're we're going to be watching it for. Oh, I guess we can announce it now in a few weeks. Oh, uh, we're going to be doing a special one-off Mike Nichols extravaganza episode <laughs> in which we watch Silkwood. Heartburn, Postcards from the Edge, and all of Angels in America in an episode that will probably six be six sad hours. <laughs> <laughs> to all um, you, I know all, to all you freaks clamoring for Marvin's room, sorry. Yeah, not yet, folks. Not yet, not yet. Uh, so be on the lookout for the Nichols extravaganza. Um, my other oh, two, yeah. though, are um, Total Freak Show ones. Uh, how about uh, have her play Herbert West in a remake of H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimator? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, just get, because we want her in a horror movie. We've talked about this many times. Mm. Let's get, let's have her get weird with it in a Lovecraft God, story. So now we're just go, completely going off topic, but like, uh, I think she's a... the game I made. But uh, I want to do, if you could have her in the Bruce Campbell role in Evil Dead. 
<laughs> that would yeah. actually be pretty good. I think she can pull it. Out. I like the idea of Meryl Streep with a chainsaw hand. I think she would do a a body horror type deal. Ooh. Yeah, we we want her to work with Cronenberg. That's kind of one of the goals of this show is to get her in one of his films. So have her do the fly and have uh, Goldblum yeah. do a cameo. Yeah. yeah. Flip it, yeah. or have uh, Goldblum take the Gina Davis part and mm. have Meryl Streep play Goldblum. Mm. Or, but uh, yeah. and then, and then my tracks. final pick, if they ever make um, Cormac McCarthy's Blood Viridian oh my God. into a into a film, let's have her play the judge. Jesus Christ, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be interesting. That'd be so much prosthetic. I'd, 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 I'm here for it, though. That'd be good. Uh, yeah, well, I, I mean, again, it's like uh, the joy of seeing her play like a Titanic-level murderous villain, yes. psychotic villain. <laughs> Essentially just the devil. Yeah, like, I, <laughs> you know, because she, she plays an angel very well, but let's see her play a devil. Ooh. And, yeah, I just, it, you know, that would be the funniest thing after all of the years of trying to make Blood Meridian into a film. The version that comes out it has Meryl Streep in the lead role. She produces it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She'll get Mike Mickles to come back from the grave and direct <laughs> it. Oh, yeah. Using occult powers. Yeah. Oh, man. But uh, that was uh, Read Him and Streep. Thank yeah. you, guys. Wow. Thank you. Um, very, very fun game. Very fun addition to the Streep games, Patrick. Um, Blake, before we head out today, is there anything you want to plug as we're heading, uh, heading out the door? Just find me on Twitter at Blake Wilding. I um, also I, I pulled up this article. I didn't have time to read before this thing. So Google name one masterpiece of cinema that I've starred in on The Onion, written by fake Meryl Streep. Just for fun, just read it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm gonna sit here. Here's a Blake Wilding tweet at Blake Wilding. Oh. Sometimes I need a coffee so I can get a snack, so I have the energy to cook a meal. That's good sure. content. Yeah. Follow him. That's great tent. Follow, give, him, give him a follow, folks. That's quality tent. You can find me on the list of this podcast followers after this recording. Yeah. yeah. If, you have, if you have spelling issues. I think we're a, gr- a growing list. Now. Growing list. It's a new, a couple, uh, some new hot Twitter feeds for you all to check out if you need more <laughs> of them. Because you all need more hot Twitter feeds. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, thank you again, Blake, for dropping in today and having, having this discussion is great time uh before we head out though uh patrick is there anyone you want to thank Ooh. today uh i want to thank uh you know i just want to thank uh, the classic uh the classic uh rock gods of hard uh, classic rock you know your grand funk railroads your bad companies you know your uh your traffics Mm-hmm. Um, I want to thank, uh, let's see, I want to thank uh, my mustache. I'm growing a mustache. It's pretty good. Uh, last time I did this, I said, agent, go to bed. Before that, I said, kids, go to bed. What's, <laughs> that, what's How do I heighten it? Hey, Patrick, the person saying the speech, past your bedtime, buddy. <laughs> go to bed yourself. Uh, that heightens it, I guess. And then uh, I want to thank out here. I haven't done this lately in the past few, but I'm going to do it again. Uh, thank you, Evan Cox, for doing the music for the show, and thank you, Ari Grab, for doing the logo. Oh. And I'm going to pass this, uh, I'm going to pass this, uh, microphone to, uh, Donald here. Wow. Wow. I, all very important people and things to thank there. Um, 
you know, I got to give a big shout out to refrigerator weed. Mm. I just got to, you know, I mean, big thank you there. Uh, I got to thank um, Gibson SGs that we can pawn to travel places. Mm-hmm. I think that that's huge. Um, cover songs. Mm-hmm. Big, big part of today's episode. Oh, yeah. You know, both, both films, I think we could thank some cover songs. Uh, you know, I got to thank um, late night jazzy speakeasy jams in apartments. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that those I want to thank. Um, Carnegie Hall. Mm, got to give a big shout out to Carnegie Hall. I got a uh, photographic <laughs> re- photographic records um, that, you know, I think that those are essential. I think, um, yeah, I, those are my thank yous this week. Uh, some real important things that needed to get shouted out. So thank you all. Uh, and most important, though, thank you all for listening again to the Academy Academy. Get excited for Mamma Mia versus Florence Foster. Jenkins in a few weeks uh, for our guest, Blake Wilding. My co-host, Patrick. I'm Don. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in. This has been the Academy Academy. It's me, Ricky. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, back them dark and dusty drapes. Let in some light. Tell the billboy, come get my trunk, cause I'm leaving here tonight. And I've packed my bags, and I paid my bills, and I'm turning in my key. And if those sad souls down in the lobby ask for me just tell them I'm checking out this heartbreak hotel I ain't gonna live on lonely street no more no more I found a new love and a new place to dwell where teardrops ain't soaking the floor.